I think we can all agree that financial wellness is front and center for most people these days. Now, I'm not just talking about really, you know, buying less coffee, but I'm talking about making better financial decisions, investing your money and not being frivolous with the things that you do. And so I thought this would be the perfect time for us to bring on a guest who have established themselves as leaders in the Canadian financial education landscape. I'm talking about a couple of gents at a company called Enriched. Now, Enriched was founded nearly 10 years plus ago, and they were actually, funny enough, on Dragon's Den, originally providing education to children in a unique format that got them excited about learning about money. And since then, they've expanded their business like crazy. Uh, not only are they required education in places like Alberta, but they also offer some amazing resources for adults and business owners to put themselves into a better financial situation. Heck, I've seen some of the resources. They're absolutely incredible. And I do think that anybody and everybody should go through this type of a program to learn more about not only money, but how to invest and, and plan for your taxes. There's just so much there. Anyways, great chat today with Aryan. He was a great guest and he had a lot of insightful things to say. I think everybody listening to this podcast is going to walk away with some insights and some takeaways. And if you're interested in learning more about Enriched, make sure to check out the links in our podcast. And uh, of course, as always, if you're liking the show, leave us that great review on Spotify or iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. See you guys soon. What's up, guys? You are listening to the YBR Remo Show, where we talk all things Vancouver real estate and mortgages, take boring topics and make them interesting. Make sure to stay tuned to listen to everything you need to know how to put cash back in your pocket, create wealth in real estate and simplify the complicated. All right, Arian, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the show today, my friend, all the way from Toronto. Uh, such a such a far drive from us here. Glad that we could hop on Zoom and have you on the show and get you right in the studio. Um, I think we're just going to start off here by saying we're very excited to have you on the, the show today. It's been a little while and uh, we've been talking about getting enriched on the platform or on the podcast, which is, again, um, there's going to be a lot of value for all of our listeners. But before I get into any of this, uh, um, any of these questions that we're going to talk about here today, uh, of which there's going to be a ton of value. So guys, listen into this stuff. Arian, I, I would love to hear just a little bit of a, a quick backstory. You're the vice president right now of Enriched Academy. Maybe if you could give me just the, the 60 minute run through on specifically, what is the mission at Enriched and, and what do you guys do? Alex, and you know, Enriched Academy, we're a company that was born out of a personal problem. You know, our co-founders uh, went to school and they kind of scratched their head like, man, why did I never learn about money? Like, why am I not learning about money, but I'm learning about Shakespeare? And they graduated uh, not knowing anything about money. You know, one of our co-founders, Kevin Cochran, bought his first car on a credit card, saw 19% interest, and he thought that was good. Like, oh, this is great. Like, it's less than 50%. So I guess they're doing me a favor. And so just made horrible financial mistakes. And we're kind of like, okay, we need to create some sort of program to equip kids in school for the real world of money. And the real world of money is cold, right? It is, if you don't learn how to speak this language and play this game, it's gonna hurt you, right? Whether it's student loans or making bad purchases or credit card debt. Um, so we wanted to create a program for kids and we're excited to say, you know, we have almost 400,000 students that go through our program right across the country. And, you know, like the government of Alberta made it mandatory for all their high school students that you can't graduate without going through this program. So we're excited on that front. And then we had a lot of parents call us, be like, 
what did you, what are you guys teaching my kids? Like my kid is saving money to buy a car to go. And now they want to buy an investment property going into university. Like, what are you teaching them? You know? And then they started asking us, do you have anything for adults? So then we created a whole program for adults and we work with a lot of corporations and organizations like the CFL, the OHL, uh, the RCMP, all the police services in British Columbia. Um, these organizations are offering their people uh, financial wellness resources through Enriched Academy. So that's a little bit of a rundown on, on what we're all about. Thanks, Arian. I appreciate the explanation. That uh, really provides a lot of context and the feedback that you shared with me. I'm, I'm all the partners could agree that this is something that we do here on a regular basis from our clients, which is how did you learn this, Alex? How did you learn these things? Where did you get this information from? I wish they had taught me that instead of how to find the square root of a, a I don't know, a, a circle or a sphere or whatever the heck it was. I don't know. I can't remember any of those types of things. But the long and the short of it is uh, I do agree that there is a requirement and a need for this type of knowledge. And obviously it shows by the fact that you guys are uh, required learning in, as you mentioned, Alberta, like that's phenomenal, first of all. So kudos to you. Uh, this is something that everyone should go through from a, a school perspective. Now, you mentioned that that transitioned into from children into adults, which is an interesting transition. Um, getting to my point here, the, it seems to me almost that in the last 12 to 18 months, specifically in, in like social media, like if you hop on TikTok, money talk is almost like sexy. Like it's like it's like a hot thing for like a 20 year old to figure out how to buy an investment property all of a sudden. And I feel like you guys were on the cutting edge of that. So I guess my thoughts to you guys is how do you continue to find ways to adapt and teach um, this knowledge and this information to different types of viewpoints in a changing economic market, like as the market changes and evolves? Is that a clear question? Yeah, that's a great question, Alex. And, you know, it, it is a challenge because money is always moving. It's changing, right? Like what you talked about mortgage rates six months ago is completely different from what it is today. So we have a full team and we have content developers that we're always updating our information. We're seeing what's out there, coming up with new ideas and new pieces of content. Like, you know, one of our newest things that we talk about, which is something we could go into, is the amount of Canadians that can spend a Saturday, take an hour out of your Saturday, look through all the bills you're paying, cancel the things that you're not really getting value from or you haven't used in a few months, and negotiate with your service providers. And Alex, like, guys, we have people call us and like, I made a few calls, I'm saving $400 a month. I'm saving $500 a month calling Rogers and my cable, canceling my home phone, uh, ne negotiating with my insurance, right? Or, renegotiating with my debt, lowering my interest, all these things. So, um, so many things Canadians can do, but money's always changing. So you gotta be, you gotta be on the ball with it. And we, we really on the ball with it. What is that, uh, that comment name, name one thing that's not negotiable in life. So you're right. Um, but it's funny, you bring up a really good point. Cause you know, we talk to our clients constantly, right? Like at the very minimum, we do an annual review and right now the conversations are they're the same every time, right? People are worried about rates increasing, cost of life and living increasing, uh, people coming up for renewal in six or 12 months and, and their rates doubled. And you know, in a lot of these conversations, well, some of them, we, ha we don't have any options to make their mortgage cheaper, right? We don't have an option to take the variable that they're in and refinance and put them into a better rate or lower their payments. Sure, there are options for some people, but a lot of people there isn't. So that's where our conversation changes. If we cannot 
do anything property or mortgage related to help your financial situation, what else can you do outside of that? Right. And like where I typically go is start with the basics, like get a piece of paper and look at your expenses and look at the income that hits your bank account and try to find things that you can cut down on. Like I talk about it all the time. I order skip the dishes and it's $30 for a burrito. It's insane. Right. But the little things that you just get used to when times are good or easy because rates are low and, and there's equity there and everything else. Right. So I think like the budgeting piece is just something that I wanted to touch on in case you have any specific strategies. Like I like the negotiation piece. A lot of people wouldn't think about that. Yeah, for sure. And great question. Yeah. Nego the negotiation piece is the fastest and easiest way to reduce your, your monthly bills. It's like the analogy I use is imagine you go to the gym once, like all we have to do is go to the gym for an hour and then we're going to have a six pack for the entire year, right? Like that would be the best thing in the world. And with negotiating your bills, all you have to do is call Rogers, Bell, your home security, insurance, call them once, learn how to negotiate. And then all of a sudden you have monthly savings for the next 12, 24, 36 months. And you could take that money and, you know, use it if you're having a challenge meeting your mortgage payments, do that. If you have money, you can invest it, pay down debt, that's a great thing. And budgeting is so important. Budget it, it sucks because a lot of people don't like doing it. I get it. But when you look, we track some of the results from our uh, students that go through our programs, right? And we have adults, the average adult that actually goes through the budgeting techniques and strategies that we teach them is saving $1,200 a month, 1200 not from getting a raise, not from earning more money, just by being aware of their expenses each and every single month, right? And it's just so powerful that if you haven't done budgeting or if you tried it before and didn't stick with it, get a coach, get someone to help you because it's thousands of dollars you're leaving on the table with not doing it. What would you say would be the biggest pitfall other than just the fact of like actually doing it? Like once somebody gets into the, you know, the, the consistent rhythm of looking at this every Saturday, or even if it was just even month, every month would be better than nothing, right? Where would you say, um, you know, people fall off track? Yeah, it's funny. It's because actual budgeting is really simple. It's just simple math and you don't even have to use math, right? It's just looking at your expenses and maybe having a goal of what your expense should be. But what makes it difficult are the thoughts and emotions people have while they're budgeting. It's it becomes so painful, right? And it again, it's not the actual budgeting exercise. It's the thoughts and the emotions that people have. So if you can control those and just catch those while you're doing these activities, then that'll help you get through it a lot easier. I would assume that like there's a taking action aspect of it too, right? Because you're right. You can write your budget on the wall. But like looking at that, and maybe that's where the emotion comes into play and it, it creates this this wall that you can't get through, but like actually actioning the amount of clients that we talk to about strategies to maybe pay down their mortgage quicker. And on that call, they think it sounds great and they're going to do it. I would say 10% of people actually action that, right? Because you have to physically go do it or talk to the institution or set it up on online banking. It's just one more thing to deal with, right? So I think taking action if you're going to go through this process is uh, is definitely key. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's like if you want to work out, you could spend all this time creating the best workout plan, but it's not going to work until you actually go to the gym and start implementing that plan. So speaking of uh, just generally speaking, budgeting and the the fact that we all know it's an exceptionally important thing to do. Um, what are perhaps maybe a few key strategies, like say your, your top three strategies that you provide to someone to really nail down the process? Besides, let, let's say they already have a template or a, a spreadsheet that they can look at and they, they've got that. Like, how can someone stick to it? Because I... 
in my experience, and to drag on this question, is that in most situations, the people that I actually see having the most challenge are actually couples. And, um, you know, maybe that's not always the case, but that's just the nature of what we see because, you know, one person's earning one thing, one person's earning another, and they have different values, right? So there's a certain amount of money. Like, what are some strategies that you suggest for, for people who are trying to overcome how to really get this on track? Yeah, I would say the best, if you've done it in the past and you've been unsuccessful at it, get someone to come in and help you, like, manage those emotions and those thoughts and kind of be like the referee, especially when it's, you're a couple, you need a referee because it could get heated and it could actually have a negative impact on your relationship because you're fighting like one person saying, we should be ordering Uber Eats, you know, or one person saying we shouldn't. And that could cause a lot of harm or you know, one couple saying, let's stop ordering wine at dinner. And that right there can end a relationship. So you got to be really careful. I would suggest, yeah, Alex, getting a referee. And it doesn't have to be like a financial professional, just even like someone that you trust come in and hold you accountable, making sure that you do the things that you said you're going to do and hold your hand kind of on this process. Because a lot of us, we know what to do. The question isn't, figuring out what we know we have to spend less than we earn. We have to look at our monthly expenses. We have to negotiate, but it's the actual doing of it that's people get held up on. And if you have someone come in and help you, I think that'll really help. And then some other tips I would say when it comes to budgeting is kind of categorizing the expenses that you have, like entertainment, right? Transportation, housing, and putting them into these buckets and then seeing which bucket is like really big and kind of taking over. Like for a lot of Canadians, it's transportation. Like we spend way too much money on our cars and our transportation. So if you can keep that under 10, 15% of your after-tax dollars, that's a really, really great start. But the problem is the average Canadian is spending 20% of their after-tax dollars on transportation, on depreciating asset that's costing money every single month. And it's really hard to build wealth. Putting money into something that keeps going down in value and costing you money. It's like putting money into a stock each month that just keeps going down. It's like, yeah, good luck building wealth that way. Startling fact, 20%, amazing. Is that typically with vehicle payments or is it, uh, I mean, what is that the, the largest cost and expense is the payments themselves or, or something else? Yeah, insurance, gas, all those different all elements. If you could keep that to 10%, it's funny, like Enriched Academy, you know, some of these co-founders here, um, very successful, worth tens of millions of dollars and driving beat up pickup trucks, you know, driving used cars. And it's funny, you meet really successful people and looking at their car, you wouldn't think that they're successful, right? And looking at their houses as well. Again, another thing that you guys probably see it a lot, Canadians overhouse. They spend so much money on housing and transportation that they're handcuffed. They can't do anything. And they're like, okay, honey, as long as we don't go on vacation, we don't go out to eat, you know, we we never spend any money, we should be okay, right? We should be mm-hmm. able to afford this. And it's like, that's not a good way to live. So we yeah. recommend if you can underhouse and under transportation, you're in a really good spot. We're not big believers in pinching pennies. We believe in pinching hundreds, right? Those bigger purchases can kill you. I like it. Yeah, just on the vehicle thing. I mean, that's such a problem with society because you grow up in high school and you get your license and it's like, that's the big thing that you can buy. No one's buying homes. So it's like, who can get the coolest car, right? But then when these people finally, and I was guilty of this, but when you finally get that vehicle, 
it's like you're getting to the age of 20 when you're starting to think about buying a home and the amount of people that we see coming to us at you know decent wage but like not enough to be paying a thousand dollar vehicle payment but it was affordable because they were living at home with their parents right but that thousand dollar vehicle payment has restricted a ton of our clients from actually being able to buy a property and when you look at what real estate's done here in the last five years like some of these people have missed out on half a million dollars in appreciation right so yeah it's i love that you guys are doing this for people in that high school kind of age group because i think that this will benefit a lot of people that have hit walls with you know vehicle loans a little bit later on in life in relation to the conversation that you started there about overhousing, you mentioned many canadians are overhousing, which doesn't allow them to do the other things that they want to do there's an argument to be said that it's not that they're overhousing; it's that the cost of housing is is high obviously so that they don't really have much of a choice and we're not here obviously to debate the reason why real estate prices are high but how do you how do you talk to someone in that situation in our localized area we live in the vancouver area market and as an example in the suburb uh, of langley the average honestly it's pretty amazing right now but the average two-bedroom condo is nearly twenty five hundred dollars per month for rent just for rent right um and you know for for looking at someone's uh, two bedroom or household income of call it one hundred ten thousand dollars. That's a pretty big chunk here. So, how does that how does that conversation work when you talk about overhousing in these situations? And where does real estate come into that play? Overhousing is not buying a home; it's also renting a home. If you're renting, you know most people, you know they work they work forty fifty hours a week. They work so hard to make this money, and most of it is gone because of their rent payments right? And their mortgage payments. So what we recommend is just try to keep that number 30% or less, 30% of your after-tax dollars in housing. Now that's not easy, but there are ways to do it. One of the best things that I think those that are watching can do, you know, even if you already live in a home and things are getting more expensive, or if you're looking to purchase a property, purchase a property with an upstairs and a downstairs where you can rent out the downstairs and earn some income from, you know, someone, a tenant moving in. It's just a simple thing to do. I know a lot of people don't like it. I don't want to live with someone or all those misconceptions. But that one decision right there can create so much freedom and put thousands of dollars back into your pocket um, each month, right? So stuff like that is just so powerful to do. I, I think that strategy is so underrated. Why not? And you could do that here in Ontario. I'm not sure in BC, but you can move to the another home for the same exact of of uh, the same dollar amount that the home that you're living in. The only difference with the home that you're moving in has a downstairs that you could rent, and the downstairs you could rent for two thousand dollars a month, and it's the same price. So the only difference is now you live in a place where you're earning twenty four grand a year in income from someone living there. And that's like getting a part-time job, but you don't have to get a part-time job. Yeah, this is a scenario that we talk about a lot, upsizing, right? People going from the townhouse where there's no rental income into a detached home. Of course, it's more expensive, but rents, I don't know about in Toronto, I assume that, but rents have skyrocketed here, right? Like a typical one-bedroom basement suite is renting for like $1,500, $1,600 a month, which can cover two, $300,000 of mortgage money. Right. We've actually had seen some clients go even deeper on this and they live in the basement suite and rent the upstairs to a family and they're bringing in three grand a month, like literally almost covering their full cost. Right. Yeah. Things that are a little uncomfortable. Right. Like that stuff is not comfortable yeah. for people live in the basement. 
Some people yeah. might punch me after this episode. Like, <laughs> just saying that, so. Well, I think one of the key one of the key things to keep in mind though is as much as it you know you're moving into this property and your cost per month is the same as the townhouse that you're you're exiting. Um, a big piece here is just a wealth that you're going to build on the higher value home, right? Like if we're looking at you know appreciation rate of two and a half percent per year, year over year, or what have you, something conservative, let's say two percent even, um, that two percent is going to be a lot larger on that on that home that that actually has the suite or what have you because it's just a bigger purchase price. So. Like from, from that perspective, like, you know, looking at mortgages and what we do deal with every day and, and the amount of clients that come in and just want the best rate, you know, they'll do anything they can to negotiate 0.1% difference um, in interest rate, but not looking at like, Hey, what is this professional actually doing for you? Like, are they giving you the advice? Like we're talking about right now, like, Hey, can, can you make this work? Are you looking at this scenario? Like there's obviously more to the puzzle than just an interest rate in, in this example. Like as you look at, you know, as you educate your your students and and they look for mortgage professionals, financial advisors, real estate agents, all these sorts of professionals that are going to support them, what would be your advice to to those people on looking for the right partner? I know you don't, you know, are not affiliated with partners, but I, I would imagine you have advice on how to find the right, you know, the right yeah. professionals. Great question. You know what? I would say make sure they're practicing what they preach, right? Like Absolutely. If I want to get a mortgage broker, I want to make sure the mortgage broker is someone that owns investment properties, multiple properties, and 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 I could see and those properties are doing well. If I have a financial advisor, I want one that has a retirement plan that has good investments that has had an, a good return over the years, right? It's like if you want to, I play basketball. If I were to get a basketball coach, they would. Ha I want them to be good at basketball, right? Like I want them to be able to play and be able to shoot. If I'm going to get a shooting coach, they need to know how to shoot the ball. If they don't know how to shoot the ball, that's a problem, right? But you look at it, there's a stat from the Financial Planning Association, 46% of financial planners don't have a retirement plan. That comment that you made uh, on that point about working with a individual who actually does what they say, I mean, I think that's, personally, I feel pretty proud because I do what I say I'm going to do and I can have these conversations and talk about it. And I'll tell you, it's one thing, like even to go through the process of educating someone and it's another thing to be like, okay, actually, I just had this situation with a tenant where there were bed bugs and I had to deal with that. And here's what actually happened because this happened to me a month ago um, and, and have these legitimate conversations and to go through that. But how, like back to Dean's point, he said, okay, one of the biggest challenges that, that we, we see here, to, I shouldn't say challenges that we see, but one of the most common mistakes that we see is people quite simply Googling up uh, mortgage rates online, boom, pick, go and get it. And then they're stuck in something and then they're worried about their money when you know they realize that they're actually spending too much money on as Derek mentioned skip the dishes burritos for 35 bucks a pop or or whatever that is um we know and you probably know this being in this in the industry that one piece of advice can actually save you five thousand bucks when compared to 0.05 percent on an interest rate but how does even someone in your position how do you perceive that value and how should an end user perceive that value Great question. Education is so important when it comes to this stuff, right? And the, the challenge is so many of us were making these uneducated decisions on really important decisions, right? And the more you don't know about something, the, the more risky and harmful it's going to be for you, right? And the analogy I use, it's like swimming, right? If you go and jump off the deep end into a pool, you're going to drown if you don't know how to swim. 
right? So what do you have to do? You have to learn how to swim. You have to get a coach. You have to educate yourself. You have to take lessons. And the more lessons and educated you are when it comes to swimming, the less likely you're going to make these bad decisions. And it's the same thing with getting a mortgage, right? The problem is most people go get a mortgage, but they haven't even taken a minute to educate themselves on how mortgages work, the pros and the cons, different strategies, right? So they're just going in, typing on Google, best mortgage rates because their aunt said that's the most important factor when it really isn't. There's so many more important factors. So for those that are listening, when you're making these big decisions, buying a home is a decision that you're locking yourself into for like year. It's a huge decision. Not educating yourself, you're just doing yourself a disservice. You're jumping off the deep end without learning how to swim. It's crazy. I mean, it's a good point. I mean, it's like, you know, Canadians go to buy their first home and they think it's, you know, they need a mortgage, but really they need a plan. And it's no different than the budget that we talked about at the beginning of the show. It's, you don't, you can't just do, you can't just go out and do anything without a plan. And, and that's the problem. People just go and Google and then they get caught up. And then not only are they just focusing on this interest rate, they have no plan in mind. They're just going with whatever, you know, information they got. So it's like, there's obviously a blend of education that you you must have, and that's so important. But who's helping you master that plan? And and like that's what you really need. This isn't about hey, we just need, we just need to get this interest rate and get this this mortgage. It's like no, no, no. Like what does the next thirty years look like? Like that's what you need. You need a proper plan, and and we need to work towards supporting you in that. And I think that's one of the biggest things we try to try to do here is like okay, let's look at the next steps here. What is your five year plan? And, and what are we, what type of product are we taking? Are we locking you into something that's going to, you know, restrict you from making another real estate decision or making another, you know, job decision that, you know, requires you to move across the country or what have you. And you're locked into some restrictive product. Like there's so many different things that you need to think about. And uh, again, how can you make those decisions without the education or the plan? Yeah. And to your point, Dean, like when you're looking for a professional back to your previous question, you want to have someone that isn't just trying to sell you products and get you into a mortgage, but someone that's coaching you and guiding you on the way. That is a huge thing you want to look for. And if it's such a red flag, someone just buy this insurance product, get this mortgage, buy this home and not coaching and educating you along the way. So these are these like really good points, uh, Ariane, on your side. I, what I'd like to do is, is progress the conversation forward to you know, we've got the homeowner who's uh, now understood the, the element or the importance of budgeting and the value of working with a professional. But I think let's talk about the here and the now. We're in a inflationary time. We all know this. Um, it's not transitory. Um, and what's going on right now is impacting the wallets of a lot of people. But there are a lot of folks that I'm talking to that are asking me, okay, like I can still make my payments. I'm okay. Um, I want to figure out an investment strategy right now. Alex, like, should I invest in real estate? Should I invest into something else? And and I would say, you know, obviously we, we have a conversation with these folks, but I'm curious to say, what types of retirement planning or investment planning conversations do you have with people in this type of environment? Tony Robbins has such a good book. It's called Money Master the Game. And basically what he did, he went out there and he interviewed 50 of the smartest financial minds in America. Warren Buffett, David Swinson, Kyle Icahn, Jack Vogel, the smartest top 1%. And he asked them a simple question. He said, if you couldn't give any more money to your kids and you were just to give them a set of investment principles, what would those principles be? And the number one answer that came back from the people like Warren Buffett, the smartest, was asset allocation. Asset allocation is the most important element to being a successful investor. And really what that means is how your money is divided 
and how, where you put your money. So as an individual, one of the first things that I would recommend all of you to do is take a look at all your money that you have and figure out what buckets is your money in. How much money do you have in real estate versus Canadian stocks versus American stocks versus bonds? And that percentage that you have in all those different buckets is critical. It's so important. And the more you change those percentages, it's going to change your rate of return and your downside risk. So for those listening, you need to look at how are you overextended in real estate or in stocks? And based on where you're at, you're going to have to be make those adjustments, especially if you get close to retirement, to be a little bit more diversified. So that's one of the first things I would do. How is your money divided? And then you could see it like on a pie chart and you'll see like where most of your money is. So I'm sure it's case by case based on everyone's situation. But is there a general kind of ratio that you guys would follow based on what you just mentioned? Real estates, Canadian stocks, American stocks? So it really depends on uh, how old you are and your risk tolerance, right? So if you're a little bit older, you need to be more conservative, which basically means more money in safer investments like GICs, right? Like right now you could get a guaranteed investment certificate and get a 5% return on your money each year. It's not, it's not even matching inflation, but it's better than savings account at, you know, not even 1%. So yeah. again, you're older, you might need to put more money there. Um, if you're a little bit younger, you could be a little bit more aggressive. So more money in American stocks, Canadian stocks. So in terms of actual ratios, there isn't really one size fits all. A balanced ratio would be something like 25% in real estate, 25% Canadian, international, um, or excuse me, 25 American, international, and bonds. So 25 kind of real estate, USA, international bonds. Arian, I don't know your experience with, um, so staying on that track of the percentage to invest into d different areas, um, I, I should just ask the question, if you don't mind me, do you invest in real estate? Love real estate. I have three properties. So I have one in Calgary, actually, and I'm from Toronto. So I bought one in Calgary about four years ago, just such an enticing deal. It was 5% down, three-year rental guarantee. And it's that one's done really well. I bought one near Toronto, Yorkdale Mall, which is the, one of the biggest malls in North America, right, right beside there. And then I have one in Oshawa, Ontario, which is kind of like the Langley of Toronto, right? It's kind of the suburbs. So yeah, three properties. Um, do private lending as well. I love private lending. I think that's it's going to be a huge market coming up. Um, and stocks. That was I made my first stock purchase at 16. So I have a love affair with with stocks. I love investing in stocks. So the, the real estate one, again, I'll circle in just the nature of what we do. We're in the real estate industry. So we're going to touch on that for a quick second in here. Uh, the most common questions that I get asked for a first time real estate investor typically are, where do I invest? Right? Which I know you can't answer, but that's a common question. Perhaps you have some feedback on that that you'd like to share. And because you, you went to Calgary, and what type of investment should I even start with? Now, I've got my feedback, but I'd like to hear yours. I think it depends, again, on your situation. So the very first property I bought was Oshawa. It was a upstairs and downstairs duplex, nice and easy, cash flow from day one, still cash flows, simple, easy. Now, if you're someone a little younger, let's say like you're 20, 21, it might, pre-construction condos might be something to take a look at. Those were the other two that I purchased because I couldn't get a mortgage approval at that time, but so this was extended a little bit further, four or five years out. 
I honestly didn't have the money all at once. So it was great because the money, you know, those deals, you don't have to put 20% all at once. It's over like a five-year period. So it's really situation by situation. Um, where to invest jobs, right? Are there a lot of jobs growing in that area? You don't want to invest somewhere where the jobs are decreasing. Population increase. I'm sure you guys have talked about this all the time. Is a population increasing in that area? And for me, my favorite one, especially in Toronto, is transportation. Is it near transportation, a subway line um, where it's easy to get to a core? Um, I always try to buy property really close to a subway line, and, and those are those have done well. So love it. Those are all very sound points. Um, the pre-sale one, to your point, is uh, an interesting one because that's uh, it, right now a little bit of a it could be a dodgy circumstance if you weren't properly prepared, especially given the lower appraised values and so forth. But like anything, I know you probably suggest just do your due diligence before just making a blind. Uh, purchase in that that avenue. That you got to look at deals. Like again, it's like all pre-construction deals aren't the same. <laughs> like there are good ones and there are horrible ones, right? So you gotta yeah. you gotta learn how to find the right ones, and you gotta go through your checklist and be like, okay, this 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 is a good deal. This is not a good deal. It's, it's just math. Again, it's funny. Yeah. Money is not hard. Man. It's just math. That's it. Spend more than you earn. Put your money in things that go up in value. It's just the emotions and thoughts we have around money make it so much harder than it needs to be. Good point. Um, I appreciate uh, I appreciate this feedback and advice. Clearly, uh, you guys have built something pretty powerful here, and um, I, I guess that's where my mind goes. Is like, how does how does one get started? Whether they're you know an adult that's looking to enter your program. Um, or, you know, just for me, like just thinking of my children, they're a little too young right now, but it's something I'm definitely going to make sure that they, they go through. So like, where does somebody get started and, uh, and what can they expect from the course? Like in regards to like, how long is it going to take them to complete it? And, um, you know, what would be some of maybe ongoing support and tools that you might, you know, provide the, those individuals? Yeah, great question. So if you have a kid right now, reach out to us because our program might be in their high school. And if it's in their high school, then they're some high schools make it mandatory. Others, we've had a really challenging time to make it mandatory because there's just so many levels of bureaucracy. But eventually, we'll get into every high school. If your kid is, so we start at grade five. Grade five is the youngest age that we go to, and it goes all throughout high school and then even some universities as well. If you're an adult, um, we, we understand that adults have different styles of learning, right? I am someone that needs a coach and I'm tired of online stuff. I need to be in person, live. Other people are not like that. Some people like this online stuff. They like audio. So whatever your style of learning, we have different ways that we can teach. So once a week, we do a webinar um, on financial literacy on different topics, on stocks, real estate, mortgages, um, insurance, wills. We have guests that come on. We do that once a week. You could go to enrichedacademy.com and check that out. We have coaching too. So if you're someone that needs one-on-one support, you know, we have coaches that can help you one-on-one and we also have our events. So if you want to come out to an event, then you can, you can come out and see a live event in person. But if you go to enrichedacademy.com, there's some stuff there. Cool. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, um, just one last question, just on somebody that does enroll, like, is there any tools that you provide? Like we were talking about budgeting items. Like, do you have a lot of that type of stuff yeah. that somebody as well. Yeah, 13 different financial tools. And one of my favorite tools, like we talked about earlier, is this negotiation script, right? Because the feedback we got was like, I wanted to call Rogers, but I didn't know what to say. 
So we created a word for word script on like exactly what to say when you call them. And then all the objection handlers too. So if they say, oh no, you can't speak to the manager, this is what you say. So we have a lot of great tools like that. We have property analyzers, I'm sure you guys do that. You can put your numbers in this calculator, tells you if it's a good property or not. Another really great tool is the financial freedom calculator. So this is a tool because a lot of people ask, how much of my income do I need to save to be financially free? So you just put your numbers in this calculator and it tells you, oh, you need to save 10% of your income or 15%. Um, so yeah, we have a ton of great tools. Awesome. Sounds like you guys have built an amazing program here. And, and, and in my opinion, it's an untapped market, right? Other than what yeah. you guys are doing. So yeah, I can appreciate that. It's uh, it sounds amazing. I think you guys are doing a, a wonderful thing for the for the Canadian economy. They're trying. It's only been nine years of struggle getting into the school system, man. Getting into the school system is an absolute gong show, and no one's ever done it before. No private company has gone into the school system and made a mandatory course. And every province we used to speak to at first, they said, "Oh, we'll do it ourselves. We'll do it. We'll do it ourselves." And they never did it. And if they did do it, it was so ineffective because you hire one person and they put together textbooks on financial literacy that kids aren't engaged with. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're slowly getting there. And eventually a lot of organizations too, corporations are seeing this trend of well-being and the impact it has on their bottom line. And they realize financial stress is the biggest stress for Canadians. So corporations are now reaching out to us to provide their staff resources too. So it's, it's exciting. It, it's still early. It's like the analogy we used to say, you're at the nightclub at 9 p.m. You know, people are talking about financial literacy. Not really. It's not really packed, but it's getting there. It's, we're, <laughs> we're getting closer to 10 p.m. right now. Love that, man. Good analogy. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Congratulations on your success. Uh, we'll make sure to put the show notes. Uh, we'll put your information in the show notes so that people can uh, reach you or find out more about the program. All right. Thank you so much for joining us today on the uh, podcast and uh, appreciate all that you do. Appreciate you guys. This is great. I love the 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 duo here and the, the chemistry. It's awesome.